it may take me a moment to get acclimated here. I wasn't sitting in my normal spot. And so I'm trying to get comfortable again. So, no. I've been moved. We're in Joshua 14, but we're going to spend some time in numbers. So uh, we'll start out with Joshua, though. Joshua, he has been the one to take Israel into the promised land. He's been the one that's seen God fight for Israel to conquer the promised land. But it was Moses who led Israel to the border of Canaan, right up to the Jordan River. But now it's Joshua. He's the leader. And God has told Joshua several times, be strong and of good courage. A good message for any of us. But Joshua, like any man, has made his mistakes as the new leader of Israel. He's made errors in his judgment. He's um, done things without asking God his direction. And Joshua even asked the commander of the Lord's army, who was Jesus, are you for us or against us? Not necessarily a good question to ask the Lord. And Joshua receives his answer, and his answer is no. <laughs> the true question, Joshua, are you for the Lord? And too many times we will pray and ask God to come to the rescue of our plans. Provide for us, Lord. Meet our need, our need as we see it. When in truth, we need to be realigning ourselves perhaps with the Lord in his will. Never forget that we were created for God's own good pleasure. That's why we exist, that we were created to bring pleasure to our God. But Joshua, in his encounter with the, uh, the commander of the Lord's army, he quickly fell on his face before Jesus and worshipped him. And that's not a bad position for any of us. Joshua, he was Moses' right-hand man. He was his go-to assistant of Moses. And there is a lot to be said for being a good assistant. There's a great little book, just a small little book, titled Second by Romaine. Romaine was uh, the assistant to Chuck Smith at Big Calvary there in Costa Mesa. He was an ex-drill sergeant from the Marines, and he would run interference for Chuck. To get to Chuck, you had to go through Romaine, which was not always easy. <laughs> and Lori and I were visiting Southern California uh, way back when, and we were in line after the service to greet Chuck. And we happened to be behind a man, a young man, and he had these posters and all these signs with him. And Lori said, hey, let's, let's just move along. I said, no, no, hold on. This could be very interesting. <laughs> and this young man in front of us, he had 
some issue. He had a bone to pick with Chuck. And right as he gets up to Chuck, two men come from out of nowhere and position themselves right by Chuck as this young man approached. And it was a gentle show of force, but they were courteous. And they received the signs and the posters that this young man had, had, and it was a potential conflict was averted there by these assistants of Chuck. Joshua, he was a faithful assistant to Moses. He was also one of the two good spies that went into the promised land to gather information. The other good spy, and this is where we're going to center upon, we're going to talk about Caleb. Caleb was that other spy. Only two of the 12 spies were good spies, if you can have a good spy. You could, I guess. So if you would, turn with me to Numbers. We're going to be in Numbers a little bit. So turn over to Numbers 13, and we'll look at verses 17 through 21. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Cana, and he said to them, Go up this way into the south, and go up uh, to the mountains, and see that the land, what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in are strong, or whether they're weak, or few, or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they inhabit are like camps, or are they strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests or not forests, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. The twelve spies... They're on a mission. They're sent out by Moses, and they're to see what the land is like. They're to observe their cities. Are their cities fortified? Do they have walls around them? Are they just uh, camps or villages type? And bring back some of the produce from the land. Ten of the twelve bring back a bad report, a fearful report. These ten... We have no recollection of them. Uh, their history is short-lived because they brought back a bad report. They were not men of faith. And only two of those men, Joshua and Caleb, bring back a good report. So let's look at verses 28 of chapter 13. And we'll pick up this story again. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave uh, the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land 
through which we have gone as spies is the land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, uh, and Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight, in our sight, and so we were. Verse 28, the descendants of Anak, giants. Goliath, that David killed, was one of these descendants. And they measured them, uh, some of the, the fossil digs, and they were about 10 feet tall. So they were truly giants. Verse 30, Caleb. He tries to quiet the people and he declares, let us go up at once and take possession of the land. But the ten cowardly spies, their word prevails over the good report. The ten bad spies, they declare, uh, the people of the land, they will devour us. And we saw the giants of Anak (laughs) and we were like grasshoppers or literally, the interpretation there, insects. We were like insects before them. And the people are quick to believe the bad report. Isn't that true of human nature? We're quick to believe the bad. But let's go to Numbers 14. We'll continue the story. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept all that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation and the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, who were among those who had spied out in the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared to the tabernacle of meeting before the children of Israel. The entire congregation, the entire populace of Israel, they're weeping. And they throw in a little wailing also. Have you ever watched the news and seen a Mideast funeral? They wail. They get after it. They, you know, they lament loudly. (laughs) And here they are, and they're crying all night long. Don't you know Moses wanted to say to him, put a lid on it. (laughs) The people are blaming Moses and Aaron for leading them to this place of terror. 
and they vote to impeach Moses. No, they want to stone him. Joshua and Caleb, along with Moses and Aaron, they fall on their faces before God in repentance. And they're repenting for the behavior of the people. That's interesting. In the book of Daniel, we read where Daniel is repenting of the sins of the people. Job, in the book of Job, he made sacrifices for his children in case they had sinned. He made sacrifices. I don't know where that falls into God's economy, that we repent for others. I know it's not bad. If you ever wanted to repent for someone else's sin, perhaps a child or someone like that, go ahead. It's okay. I don't know where it sits in God's uh, economy. I know we have to repent for our own sins, but I don't think it hurts when we repent for others. But Joshua and Caleb, they come back with a report. They say the land is exceedingly good. And God will bring us into it, and he will give it to us. But don't rebel against God, for God is with us. Do not fear the people that possess the land. And the words of Joshua and Caleb, they have an effect on the congregation of Israel. They now want to stone Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. Oh, good report? Let's stone them. <laughs> But the anger of the Lord is against Israel. And God tells Moses, step aside, and I will destroy them, and I will start all over with you, Moses. What a place to be in when, where you make God that angry or fed up with you. The entire camp of Israel, except for Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb, now find themselves against God. They're contrary to what God is wanting to do. And we only have Joshua and Caleb surviving this whole generation, and only Joshua and Caleb enter the promised land of that entire generation. God has allowed for that entire group of people to die off in the wilderness before he allows their children to enter the promised land. For there will be no murmurers or complainers that enter in to the promised land. In Numbers 14.26, Moses gives commentary on Caleb, and it's commentary from the Lord. My servant Caleb. Because he has a different spirit in him, for he has fully followed me. And because of Caleb's faithfulness, his children, his descendants, will inherit the land. Only Joshua and Caleb live to see the conquering of the promised land. God is faithful. To his people of faith, even if it's only two. We read in verse 8 how Caleb declared, If the Lord delights in us, 
he will give us the land, this good land. And it's described as the land flowing with milk and honey, which means it's a very fruitful land, a very good land. The thing that delights our Lord is faith. For without faith, it's hard to please God. No, <laughs> it's impossible. You gotta have faith to please the Lord. Caleb, he's pleasing to God because he's exercising faith. And Caleb has a reward. His descendants will have a rich inheritance. By faith and good courage, Joshua and Caleb, they're allowed to survive and enter the promised land. By faith. Recently, I had a, a real good friend call me, and he's having marital problems. And he could not understand his problems because, according to him, he had been good. He had been faithful to his wife. He had been a good Christian man. And to quote him, I, he said, I've been doing good as a Christian. I've been doing good as a father and a husband. And now he's bitter towards his wife. For in his eyes, she's being unreasonable, hard to get along with. His thinking is, why do you try to live a good Christian life if it doesn't pay off? I asked him if I could pray for him. He said, please do. And I prayed that God would change his heart. Cause him to be loving and kind to his wife and to his family. But his... His expectation was, God bless me because I'm trying to be good. But our goodness, our righteousness, are as filthy rags. And as gently as I could, I told my friend, give God time to change your own heart and to change the heart of your wife and be in prayer for your wife. And I promised him that I would be praying for him. In Joshua 14, we find Caleb now. He's an old man. He comes before his old friend Joshua. Joshua, the other good spy. But Joshua is now leader of Israel. So let me read Joshua 14. Verses 6 through 15. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephthah the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the peoples melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly 
followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am, I am as strong as the day that uh, the Lord Moses sent me. Let me read that again. As yet, I am as strong this day as the day that Moses sent me, just as the strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going in and coming out. Now, therefore, give me this mountain on which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that their cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron, gave Hebron to Caleb, the sons of Jephthah, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephthah, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. In the name of Hebron, which was formerly Karjath Arba, Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, then the land had rest from war. Verse 8, Caleb declares, I have wholly followed the Lord, completely dedicated to the Lord. Doesn't say that Caleb was a perfect man. It just says he completely followed the Lord. That's interesting. Of Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, known as a man of faith, Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. Abraham, a man of faith. Moses comes along. He is the deliverer of Israel out of Egypt. And with Moses and his staff, he performs great miracles of God before Pharaoh, calling down ten plagues upon Egypt. He even parts the Red Sea. They walk across the Red Sea on dry ground. And God declared of Moses, I speak to him face to face as a friend. Now we have Caleb. And all Caleb did, he was a spy. He was a soldier. He was a man of war. But he was a man that Moses and God declared of him. He wholly followed the Lord. We don't have to be great in man's eyes or even in our own eyes. We don't have to be trailblazers to please God. We do not have to pray for the sun to stand still like Joshua did, and it stood still. All we have to do to be great in God's kingdom is simply to follow God obediently. There it is. The disciples of Jesus... Twelve men, one of them, of course, Judas, but eleven men who changed the world were everyday common men, fishermen, tax collectors, etc. And the disciples were given one 
command. One command by Jesus, come and follow me. And the rest is history. In our scripture reading, we read how Jesus is the shepherd. He's the good shepherd and we are the sheep. And all we sheep have to do is know our shepherd's voice and follow him. And we will be great in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, so many times we secretly desire to do great things for you and your kingdom. And I don't know that that's bad, Lord, but we want to be that obedient follower of you. Simply doing what you, our Lord and God, has given us to do. You've given us your word. We know your heart. We know your will. So, Lord, we pray that we would have that heart of Caleb that was set upon just following after you, completely following after you. So, Lord, when we make decisions about to do this or that for you and your kingdom, let us do it completely. Go all the way, not halfway. Lord, we think of the rich young ruler who you told to come and follow you and he couldn't because of his riches. We don't want to get caught into that, Lord. We don't want our attention. We don't want our goals to be on things of this world. We want our heart to be towards you, to completely follow you. Help us, Lord. We know that you blessed Caleb and his children. His descendants were greatly blessed because he simply followed you. But, Lord, we want to follow you because we know it's right, because you're a loving God. And we want to be pleasing to you in our obedience. So help us to follow you completely. We pray this and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.